Welcome to the Ramayan Podcast, a weekly podcast featuring an episodic reading in English of St. Tulsidas's version of the epic Ramayan. At the end of our last podcast, after Ram had broken Shiva's bow and won the hand of Sita, the sage Parasurama appeared, and he was pretty angry. We begin again in the Balkhand, verse 270. When the hero of Raghu's race saw everyone seized with panic and perceived Janaki's anxiety, he interposed. There was neither joy nor sorrow in his heart. My lord, it must be some one of your servants who has broken the bow of Shiva. What is your command? Why not tell me? At this the furious sage was all the more incensed and said, A servant is he who does service. Having played the role of an enemy, one should give battle. Listen, O Rama, whoever has broken Shiva's bow is my enemy no less than the thousand-armed Kartavirya. Let him stand apart, leaving this assembly, or else every one of these kings shall be slain. Hearing the sage's words, Lakshman smiled and said, insulting Parasuram, the wielder of an axe, I've broken many a small bow in my childhood, but you never grew so angry, my lord. Why should you be so fond of this particular bow? At this the chief of Brigu's race burst out in a fury. Young prince, being in the grip of death, you have no control over your speech. Would you compare to a small bow the mighty bow of Shiva that is known throughout the world? Said Lakshman with a smile. Listen, holy sir, to my mind all bows are alike. What gain or loss can there be in the breaking of a worn-out bow? Sri Ram mistook it for a new one, and at his very touch it broke in two. The Lord of Raghu's, therefore, was not to blame for it either. Why then be angry, revered sir, for no cause? Casting a glance at his axe, Parasuram replied, Foolish child, have you never heard of my temper? I slay you not, because, as I say, you are a child. Yet do you take me for a mere anchorite, you dullard? I have been a celibate from my very boyhood, but also an irascible one, and I am known throughout the world as a sworn enemy of the Kshatriya race. By the might of my arm I made the earth kingless, and bestowed it time after time upon the Brahmins. Look at this axe which lopped off the arms of Sahasrabatu, the thousand-armed Kartavirya, O youthful prince." Do not bring woe to your parents, O princely lad. My most cruel axe has exterminated even unborn offspring in the womb. Lakshman smilingly retorted in a mild tone, Ah, the great sage considers himself an extraordinary warrior. He flaunts his axe before me again and again, as if he would blow away a mountain with a mere puff of his breath. Here there is no pumpkin in the bud that would wither away as soon as an index finger is raised against it. It was only when I saw you armed with an axe and bow and arrows that I spoke with some pride. Now that I understand you are a descendant of Brigu and perceive a sacred thread on your person, I suppress my anger and put up with whatever you say. In our family, valor is never shown against gods, Brahmins, devotees of Srihari, or the cows. For by killing any of these we incur sin, while a defeat at their hands would bring disrepute on us. We should throw ourselves at your feet even if you strike us. Every word of yours is as incisive as a million thunderbolts. The bow, the arrow, and the axe are therefore an unnecessary burden to you. Pardon me, O great and illumined hermit, if I have said anything unseemly at the sight of your weapons. Hearing this, the jewel of Brigu's race furiously rejoined in a deep voice, 
Listen, Vishwamitra, this boy is stupid and perverse. He is in the grip of death himself and will bring destruction on his whole family. A dark spot on the moon-like solar rays, he is utterly unruly, senseless, and reckless. The very next moment he shall find himself in the jaws of death. I proclaim it at the top of my voice, and none should blame me for it. Forbid him if you would save him, telling him of my glory, my might, and my fury, said Lakshman. Holy sir, so long as you live, who else can expatiate on your bright glory? With your own lips you have recounted your exploits in diverse ways more than once. If you are not yet satisfied, tell us something more. Do not undergo a severe trial by putting any restraint upon your anger. You have assumed the role of a hero, and are resolute and imperturbable. It is unbecoming of you to pour abuses. Heroes perform valiant deeds in fight, but never indulge in self-advertisement. Finding before themselves a foe in battle, it is cowards who boast of their own glory. You seem to have death at your beck and call, and summon him again and again for my sake. Hmm. Hearing Lakshman's harsh words, Parasuram closed his hands upon his terrible axe. After this, let no one blame me. This sharp-tongued boy deserves his death. I have spared him long on account of his being a child. He is now surely going to die, said Vishwamitra. Pardon his offense. Holy men take no notice of the merits and demerits of a child. Sharp-edged is my axe, while I am pitiless and furious, and here stands before me an offender and an enemy of my guru. Even though he gives a retort, I spare his life, solely out of regard for you, Vishwamitra, or else hacking him to pieces with this cruel axe, I would have easily repaid the debt I have owed to my guru." said Vishwamitra, smiling within himself. Everything looks green to the sage. It is, however, the steel sword that he is faced with, and not with sugar extracted from sugar cane that one could easily gulp. It is a pity that he does not understand and still persists in his ignorance. Said Lakshman, Is there anyone, O good sage, who is not aware of your gentle disposition, so well known throughout the world? You have fully paid the debt you owe to your parents. The only debt which now remains to be paid by you is the one you owe to your guru, and that has been vexing your mind not a little. It looks as if you had incurred the debt on our account, and since a considerable time has now elapsed, a heavy interest has accumulated thereon. Now you get the creditor here, and I will at once repay him from my own purse. Hearing these sarcastic remarks, Parasuram grasped his axe, and the whole assembly cried, Alack! Alack! Oh, chief of Brigus, you are still threatening me with your axe, but I am sparing you only because I hold you to be a Brahmin. Oh, enemy of princes, you've never met champions staunch in fight. You've grown important in your own little home, O oh, holy Brahmin. Everyone exclaimed, This is undesirable. The lord of Raguz now beckoned Lakshman to stop. Perceiving the flames of Parasuram's passion grow with the pouring of oblation in the form of Lakshman's rejoinder, the son of Ragu's race spoke words like water. My lord, have compassion on a child, and wreak not your wrath on this guileless youngster. If he had any idea of your might, how could he be so foolish as to affront you? If children play pranks, their teachers and parents are in rapture at it. Therefore, take pity on him, knowing him to be a child and your servant. For you are an even-minded, good-tempered, forbearing, and illumined anchorite. On hearing Sri Ram's words, Parasuram cooled down a little. 
but uttering something, Lakshman smiled again. Seeing him smile, Parasuram flushed all over with rage and said, Ram, your brother is too wicked. Though fair of you, he is black at heart. He has deadly poison and not mother's milk on his lips. Perverse by nature, he does not take after you, nor does this vile imp regard me as the very image of death. Lakshman smilingly said, Listen, holy sir, passion is the root of sin. Swayed by it, men perpetrate unseemly acts and indulge in misanthropic activities. I am your servant, O chief of sages. Put away your wrath and show mercy upon me. Anger will not mend the broken bow. Pray, sit down, your legs must be aching. If you are fond of it, let us devise some means to mend it by calling in an expert. Janak was frightened at Lakshman's words and said, Pray be quiet. It is not good to transgress the limits of propriety. The people of the city trembled like aspen leaves. They said to themselves, This younger prince is really very naughty. As the chief of Brigus heard the fearless words of Lakshman, his whole body burnt with rage, and his strength diminished in a condescending manner, he said to Ram, I am sparing the boy, because I know he is your younger brother. So fair without and so foul within, he resembles a jar of gold full of poison. At this Lakshman laughed again, but Sri Ram cast an angry look on him. Therefore, putting away all petulance of speech, he submissively went up to his guru. Joining both his palms together and speaking in most humble, gentle, and placid tones, Sri Ram said, I pray you, my lord, wise as you are by nature, pay no heed to the words of a child. A wasp and a child have alike dispositions. Saints never find fault with either. Besides, the boy has done you no harm. It is I, my lord, who have offended you. Therefore, your reverence, deal to me as your servant whatever you please, whether it be favor or frown, death or captivity. Tell me quickly the means, O chief of sages, by which your anger may be appeased, and I shall do accordingly. Said the sage, How can my passion be pacified, O Rama, when your younger brother is still looking mischievously at me? So long as I do not cut his throat with my axe, my wrath is ineffectual. At the very news of the cruel doings of my axe, the consorts of kings miscarry. To think that having the same axe still at my service, I shall see this princeling, my enemy, alive. My hand moves not, though passion consumes my breast, while the axe which has slain kings without number has gone blunt. Fate has turned against me, that is why I find my nature changed, otherwise compassion at any time is unknown to my heart. My tenderness of feeling has imposed on me a severe strain to-day." On hearing this, the son of Sumitra bowed his head with a smile. "'The breeze of your benevolence is so befitting your frame. The words you speak appear as though blossoms drop from a tree. Reverend sir, when compassion sets your whole frame on fire, God helps you. Look here, Janak, this stupid boy in his perversity intends to migrate to the region of death. Why not put him out of my sight? Though small to look at, this princeling is yet so wicked. Lakshman smilingly said to himself, Shut your eyes and the whole world will vanish out of your sight. Then Parasuram spoke to Ram, his heart boiling with rage. Having broken Shiva's bow, wretch, do you now teach me? It is with your connivance that your brother addresses such pungent words to me while you make false entreaties with joined palms. 
Either give me satisfaction in combat or forswear your name of Rama. Give battle to me, O enemy of Shiva, without taking recourse to any wily trick, or else I will dispatch you and your brother both. While the chief of Brigus thus raved, with his axe raised high, Sri Ram smiled within himself, bowing his head to the sage. While the fault is Lakshman's, the sage's wrath is against me. Sometimes meekness, too, begets much evil. A crooked man is reverenced by all. The crescent moon is not devoured by the demon Rahu. Said Ram, cease from wrath, O lord of sages. The axe is in your hand while my head is before you. Do that, my lord, which may pacify your anger. Know me to be your servant. How can there be any duel between a master and his servant? Give up your anger, O great Brahmin. It is only because he saw you in the garb of a warrior that the boy said something to you, and he cannot be blamed for it. Seeing you equipped with an axe, arrows, and bow, the boy took you for a champion and got excited. Although he knew you by name, he did not recognize you in person, and answered you according to his lineage. If you had come as a sage, the child, O holy sir, would have placed the dust of your feet on his head. Forgive the error of one who did not know you. A Brahmin should have plenty of mercy in his heart. What comparison, my lord, can there be between you and me? Tell me if there is any affinity between the head and feet. Mine is a small name consisting of the single word Rama, whereas yours is a long name, having the word Parashu prefined to Rama. O Lord, whereas there is only one merit in me, and that is my bow, while you have got nine most auspicious characteristics, such as tranquility, restraint, penance, purity, forbearance, straightforwardness, knowledge, supreme knowledge, and faith in God, I am thus inferior to you in every way. Therefore, holy sir, please forgive my faults. Again and again did Ram address his namesake as a sage and as a great Brahmin, till the chief of Brigus exclaimed in fury, You are as perverse as your brother! You know me to be a mere Brahmin? I tell you what kind of Brahmin I am. Know that the bow is my sacrificial ladle, the arrows my oblation, and my wrath the blazing fire. The brilliant fourfold forces, consisting of horse, elephant, chariot, and foot soldiers, are the fuel, and mighty princes have served as victims, whom I have cut to pieces with this very axe and offered as sacrifice. In this way I have performed millions of sacrifices in the shape of armed conflict, accompanied by the muttering of sacred formulas in the shape of war cries. My glory is not known to you. That is why you address me in contemptuous terms, mistaking me for a mere Brahmin. Since you've broken the bow, your arrogance has transgressed all limits. In your self-esteem you stand as if you have conquered the world," said Ram. Sage, think before you speak. Your anger is all out of proportion with my error, which is a trifling one. Worn out as it was, the bow broke at my mere touch. What reason have I to be proud? Hear the truth, Lord of the Brigus. If, as you say, I treat you with disrespect because you are a Brahmin, who's that gallant warrior in the world to whom I would bow my head out of fear? A god, a demon, a king, or a body of warriors, whether my equal in strength or more powerful than myself, should any of these challenge me to combat, I would gladly fight with him, no matter if it is death himself. For he who is born as a Kshatriya and is yet afraid of fighting, is a veritable wretch, and has brought a slur on his lineage. I tell you in my natural way, and not by way of a tribute to my race. 
Ragu's descendants do not tremble to meet in fight even death. Such is the glory of the Brahmin race, that he who is afraid of you is rid of all fear. When he heard these soft yet profound words of Sri Ram, Parashuram's mind was disillusioned. Ram, take this bow of Ram's lord and draw it, so that my doubts may be cleared. As Parasuram offered the bow, it passed into Ram's hand of its own accord, and Parasuram felt amazed at this. He then recognized Sri Ram's might, and his whole frame was filled with joy, and his hair stood on end. Joining his palms together, he addressed the following words to Sri Ram, his heart bursting with emotion. Glory to Sri Ram, who delights Ragu's line, even as the sun delights a cluster of lotuses. Glory to the fire that consumes the forest of the demon race. Glory to the benefactor of gods, brahmins, and cows. Glory to him who takes away pride, ignorance, passion, and delusion. Glory to him who is an ocean of humility, amiability, compassion, and goodness, and a past master at the art of speech. Glory to the delighter of his servants, and to him who is graceful of every limb, and whose form possesses the beauty of a million cupids. How can I with one tongue utter your praise? Glory to him who sports in the mind of the great Lord Shiva as a swan in the Manasarovara lake. In my ignorance I have said much that was unseemly. Therefore pardon me, both brothers, abodes of forgiveness that you are. Glory, glory, all glory to the chief of Ragu's race. So saying, the Lord of Brigu's withdrew to the forest to practice penance. The wicked kings were all seized with imaginary fears, and the cowards quietly fled in all directions. The gods sounded their kettle drums and rained down flowers on the Lord. All the people of the city rejoiced, and their hearts' agony, born of ignorance, disappeared. There was a tumultuous clash of musical instruments, and everyone displayed charming and auspicious objects. Troops of fair-faced, bright-eyed damsels sang melodious songs in chorus, their voices resembling the notes of the cuckoo. Janak's joy was beyond description, as that of a born beggar who has found a treasure. Sita was rid of her fears and was as glad as a young Chikora bird at the rising of the moon. Janak made obeisance before Kaushika and said, It is due to your grace, my lord, that Sri Ram has been able to break the bow. The two brothers have gained me my purpose. Pray tell me now, revered sir, what it behooves me to do. Said the sage, Listen, wise king. The marriage depended on the bow and took place directly the bow broke, as is well known to all, including gods, human beings, and nagas. Nevertheless, go now and perform according to the family usage whatever practices are prescribed in the Vedas, after consulting the Brahmins, the elders of your family, and your own guru. Go and dispatch to the city of Ayodhya messengers who may invite King Dasharat and bring him here. Jana gladly responded, Very well, gracious sir and summoning the messages, dispatched them that very moment. He then summoned the leading citizens, and they all came and respectfully bowed their head. Decorate the bazaars, the streets, the houses, the temples, the whole city on all four sides, was the royal command. They returned in joy, each to his own house. The king then sent for his own servants and instructed them, erect pavilions of all kinds with due care. Bowing to the king's orders, they returned glad of heart and sent for a number of clever artisans skilled in erecting pavilions. Invoking Brahma, they set to work and made pillars of gold in the shape of plantain trees. With leaves and fruits of emeralds and blossoms of rubies, 
Seeing this most marvelous specimen of art, the creator himself was lost in bewilderment. The bamboo sticks were made of emeralds. They were straight and knotted so that they could not be distinguished from real ones. Creepers, known by the name of piper beetle, were artistically fashioned in gold and looked so charming with their leaves that they could not be marked as artificial. These creepers were intertwined into so many cords for holding bamboos together, with beautiful strings of pearls inserted here and there. After much cutting, carving, and inlaying, they made lotuses of rubies, emeralds, diamonds, and turquoise. They also fashioned bees and birds of various plumage which buzzed and whistled in the wrestling breeze. On the pillars they sculptured images of gods, all standing with articles of good omen in their hands. Squares were drawn on the floor in various naturally charming devices and filled in with elephant pearls. They made most lovely mango leaves of graven sapphire with blossoms of gold and bunches of emerald fruits glistening on silver cords. They further made charming and excellent festoons which looked like so many nooses prepared as it were by Cupid. They also put up many auspicious vases as well as beautiful flags and banners, curtains and chowries. The marvelous pavilion with a number of beautiful lamps consisting of brilliant gems was beyond description. What poet has the wit wherewith to describe the pavilion which is going to shelter Videha's daughter as the bride? The canopy which is going to hold Sri Ram, the ocean of beauty and perfection, as the bridegroom, must be the glory of all three worlds. The splendor that belonged to King Janak's palace was to be seen in every house of that city. To him who beheld Tirahuta, Janak's capital, during that time, all the fourteen spheres appeared of small account. The prosperity that reigned in the house of that humblest citizen was enough to fascinate even the Lord of Celestials. The magnificence of the city, wherein dwelt goddess Lakshmi in the charming disguise of a mortal woman, made even Sharada, the goddess of eloquence, and the thousand-tongued Shesha falter in describing it. Janak's messengers arrived in Sri Ram's sacred birthplace and rejoined to behold the charming city. They sent in word at the entrance of the royal palace. Hearing of their arrival, King Dasharat summoned them to his presence. With due reverence, they delivered the letter, and the king in his joy rose to receive it in person. As he read the letter, tears rushed to his eyes. The hair on his body stood erect, and his heart was full. With Ram and Lakshman in his heart, and the valuable letter in his hand, he remained mute and could not utter a word, either good or bad. Then, recovering himself, he read out the letter, and the court rejoiced to hear the authentic news, obtaining the news at the very spot where he had been playing about. Bharat came with his playmates and brother, Shatrugn, and with the utmost modesty and affection he asked, Father, where has the letter come from? Are my two beloved brothers doing well, and in what land do they happen to be? On hearing these words steeped in love, the king read the letter over again. On hearing the letter, the two brothers experienced a thrill of joy. Their whole frame was bursting with an excess of emotion. The whole court was particularly delighted to see Bharat's unalloyed love. The king then seated the messengers close by him and spoke to them in sweet winning tones. Tell me, my friends, are the two boys well? Have you seen them well with your own eyes? The one dark, the other fair of you? They are equipped with bow and quiver and are of tender age and accompanied by the sage Kaushika. Do you recognize them? If so, tell me something of their temperament. Overwhelmed with love, the king asked thus again and again, From the day the sage took them away, it is only today that I have obtained authentic news of them. 
Tell me how King Videha was able to know them. At these fond words the messengers smiled. Listen, O crest jewel of kings, there is no one as blessed as you, who have for your sons Ram and Lakshman, the two ornaments of the universe. No inquiry is needed in respect to your sons, who are lions among men, and the light of the universe, and before whose renown and glory the moon looks dim and the sun appears cool. About them, my lord, you ask how they came to be recognized? Does one take a lamp in one's hand to see the sun? On the occasion of Sita's self-election of her husband had assembled numerous princes, each one of whom was a greater champion than the rest, but not one of them could stir Shambo's bow, and all the mighty heroes failed. The might of all those who were proud of their valor in all three worlds was crushed by it. Even the demon Bana, who could lift Mount Meru, lost heart and retired after pacing around the bow, and even he, Ravan, who had lifted up Mount Kailash in mere sport, was worsted in that assembly. On that occasion we submit, O great king, Sri Ram, the jewel of Ragu's race, snapped the bow without the least exertion, even as an elephant would break the stalk of a lotus. Well, hearing this news, the chief of Brigu's came in a fury and indulged in much browbeating. But seeing Sri Ram's strength, he handed his bow to the latter, and after much supplication withdrew to the woods. Even as Ram, O king, is unequaled in strength, Lakshman too is a mine of glory, at whose very sight the kings trembled as elephants at the gaze of a young lion. Now that we have seen your two sons, my lord, no one catches our eye any longer. The messenger's eloquent speech, which was full of love, glorifying and expressive of the heroic sentiment, attracted all. The king and his whole court were overwhelmed with emotion and began to offer lavish gifts to the messengers. They, however, closed their ears in protest, crying, This is unfair! Everyone was delighted to note their sense of propriety. The king then rose, going up to Vashishta, gave the letter to him, and sending for the messengers with due courtesy, related the whole story to his preceptor. The guru was highly pleased to hear the news, and said, To a virtuous man the world abounds in happiness, as rivers run into the sea, Although the latter has no craving for them, so joy and prosperity come unasked and of their own accord to a pious soul. Just as you are given to the service of your preceptor, the Brahmins and cows as well as of gods, Queen Kosalya is no less devout than you. A pious soul like you has never been, nor is, nor shall be in this world. Who can be more blessed than you, O king, who has a son like Ram? and whose four worthy children are all valiant, submissive, true to their vow of piety, and oceans of goodness. You are blessed indeed for all time. Therefore, prepare the marriage procession to the sound of kettle-drums, and proceed quickly. On hearing these words of the preceptor, the king bowed his head, and said, Very well, my lord, and after assigning lodgings to the messengers, returned to his palace. And this brings us to the close of another episode of the Ramayan Podcast. Please join us next time. Jai Sitaram. Jai Sitaram.